Hello, this is Jason Barnwell. This is part two of a conversation I had with Judy Jennison and David Daggett. Part one was focused on what is involved in being a relationship partner. This segment is focused on partnering across firm boundaries and how they are helping their firms innovate. Uh, I think that's a good segue into, uh, so you, you guys are, are, are just do things differently, and I, that's really what I wanted to get at. So I think people hearing the banter back and forth have an understanding, I hope, that you guys actually get along. Like, you work very well together. And one of the things that we're observing is you guys partner across your organizational boundaries. And by that, I mean among your firms better than almost anybody else that we work with. And that's interesting because nominally you guys are competitors, but you, you seem to make it work. How do you do it? Where does it come from? Why are you doing this? <laughs> so, uh, it, it comes from a bunch of different places, not the least of which is that D Dave and I have known each other for a while. Dave did work for my team when I was here at Microsoft. So, we've been friends. He's he's friends with people who are friends of mine here. He has partners who are really good friends of mine. Uh, it's a, a lovely firm. They do great work. Certainly, sometimes they win matters that we don't win, and sometimes we win matters that they, that's the way it goes. Uh, but in terms of of, of um, you know when I when I um, uh, found myself in the relationship role with Dave and his relationship role, I mean we like each other, so there's a lot we can learn from each other. There are a lot of ways we can help each other, and every time we do that, it inures to Microsoft's benefit for sure, and I think it does to our benefits as well. I think yeah. it, it does to our firm's benefits. We we uh, see what other people are doing. We can learn from each other. We can partner together when we've got issues that are that are you know of mutual importance to us uh, it just it, it, it makes us both stronger I think Dave yeah so um, <laughs> and to start out I mean this is not in, entirely selfless I mean it's uh, I, I I'll be the first one to admit I'm a partner in a private law firm Judy is a partner in a private law firm we we both get paid based on the profitability of our respective firms um, so th this is not in, intended to be some sort of selfless act but one of my mentors very early in my career taught me, he said, you always focus 100% on what's right for the client. And if you do that, everything else will come. The business development will come, the profitability will come. If you're always looking out first and foremost what, what is best for the client, you've, you've done your job. And there are certainly operational aspects of, of how Judy and I work together, which we can talk about in a sec. But the most important reason for doing it is because it's right for you guys. Um, the last thing you need is to have your out. I mean, you're you're involved in various legal issues, which are already relatively complex. The last thing you need is to have your outside counsel sniping at one another. Mm -hmm. I mean, it, there is zero benefit to you if if we don't get along. So even if we didn't want to, we should. But you know, there are lots of good reasons to to do that. Um, you know, there. And again, going back to the profit motive, um, we know that you like your firms working together. And even if we didn't like each other, it would make business sense for us to try to stand, you know, get along and stand each other. But you know, we actually do. I mean, there's no reason not to. I mean, it, it, there's um, part of it. I think just is is making, and, and I'll be the first to admit that a lot of lawyers see that as a little weird, uh, both in, inside and outside. Um, and I've had, um, you know, when we talked about splitting matters in the past, I've had uh, 
clients over here, and this was years ago, I haven't heard it recently, but some very senior people say, well, that's just kind of unnatural. <laughs> well, yeah, because that's the firm you came from. Didn't do it that way. It's not, it's, it's different. But, you know, I've worked on, you know, there's one matter I, I always think about where uh, it was a very large matter and, and um, it was related to corporate M&A and your team had the, the most current exposure to, to Microsoft's M&A team, but my team had the most current exposure to the actual underlying business that was being uh, uh, addressed. And we split the matter. And it was, I think, weird for about two minutes until your your lead, when I, I introduced myself and sent him all this material as far as background, because we'd been in the matter earlier than, than he was. And from that moment forward, it, you know, to his credit, he embraced that sort of that spirit of trust that we started with. And there was never any question of, well, that was the Perkins thing or that was the Davis thing. It was like, we were just a team. And that was the, that got you, Microsoft, uh, the, the best possible outcome. You got the best M&A support with the best business support based on the, the respective knowledge bases of the firms. I mean, if you'd gone with either firm, you would have been accepting a lesser uh, skilled team at that point, frankly, just to serve the benefits of the firm. So, you know, it's, it's, it's the right thing to do, um, gets you the best outcome. And when we do that, um, you know, I, I, there, there's no downside for us. Um, at least not that I, you know, I, I can't say that I, 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 we've talked before about relationship. I can't say I could have that relationship with every firm, but, you know, I, I, interesting where we want to take this, but um, to me, you know, how do we do that? You know, and when I was thinking about what makes it work with, with the two of us, it's trust and, and sort of a lack of fear. I, and you, you made a very important point a moment ago. We do, you know, you've taken work that we had, we've taken work that you had, but what was critical about that, and the reason I think it's always worked is, I've never gone after Perkins' work. Mm-hmm. When, when we have lost work, it's because the client has said, well, yeah, we want to make a change. And when that's happened, I think to both firms' credit, we've worked really well together to transition it. Yeah. And knowing that you know, you're not going to go try to do something to hurt my firm, and I'm not going to go try to do something that hurts your firm, to me is, is, is very liberating um, and, and really enables us to, to interact. I'd love to hear you know, how, how you think about that. Yeah, so I completely agree with that. I completely agree with that. I, I, you know, we, it, it really is about what's best for the client. And, uh, and, you know, I can't be a trusted advisor for Microsoft if I'm, you know, fighting tooth and nail with one of your other trusted advisors. There's no way that that yields the, the preferred outcome. So... It just it's kind of a kind of a no brainer. So how do you indoctrinate that into the rest of your colleagues? <laughs> well, so that's it. That's it. That's interesting. That that does take some culture shift. Uh, it, 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 I think uh, it certainly helps when we're working with a client mm-hmm. that that my colleagues have a high level of trust in. So uh, we've been treated very well by Microsoft uh, over the many years, and um, people 
people at the firm trust the leaders at Microsoft and believe that Microsoft wants everyone to succeed and isn't playing one of us against the other and you know it's not this isn't Game of Thrones or you know, <laughs> any of that thing people believe that uh, and but I do think that that you know that that's not the case with every client and I think that there are um, there are some client leads who who maybe wouldn't be so sure that their clients really were interested in in a model where everybody gets to succeed so I think that that poses a challenge yeah and I'll be real brief because I talk a lot, but um, <laughs> it's it, it is hard. Um, I I would love to say that all of my my colleagues are there, but they're not. But we'll we'll get them there eventually. But the the easiest thing, frankly, to, to get them there, uh, and I think this sort of underscores Judy's point, is is what the client wants. Mm-hmm. So if there are more opportunities where you know big deals, the in-house lawyer says, yeah, we want this group from Perkins and that group from Davis. And you know, the more of that people see, the less people will feel the, to the comment I made before, like that, that it's unnatural. Um, you know, that something becomes more natural by experience. I, I would say too, Jason. So sorry to just yeah. jump jump in real quickly. That there are there are areas um, that I won't talk about in detail because we're still developing them. But I think that there are areas where. Um, We've talked about doing things that are truly innovative that would really change the model that we can't do individually. Mm-hmm. So the, the, that that our firms need to partner together in order to bring the resources to bear that would help solve a particular problem. Uh, and so that's just goodness. You know, that's creating new market, uh, and that's goodness for everybody. Okay, let, let's jump into changing the model. Yeah. Uh, so so I think that's perfect segue. Judy, well done. Um, I, so I guess, so Dave, I, I think you highlighted uh, something that I, I believe in, which is uh, self, being self-interested is not always a bad thing, right? It, it allows a certain amount of purity and clarity of, of thought and effort if, if you, I think, perceive the opportunity the right way. And one thing that I, I find so interesting about you both is you're both pushing your firms to change your business models and to think differently about that. and. I presume there's a good chance that you both would be handsomely rewarded under the old model. And so, why are you agitating for change? Why are you doing this? Oh, so many reasons. Um, so, uh, because because Microsoft is asking us to do it, that's one. Uh, because I think it's the right thing for the future of the practice of laws too. I think it's the right thing for the future of my law firm, that's three. Uh, it is super fun to think about the change that we may be able to bring about. That's, what am I up to five? Um, so, so the uh, it's it's a it's a lot of different things. Uh, certainly, what Microsoft is doing to encourage that change is huge, and uh, and without that key ingredient, I think what at least what I'm doing at Perkins would be impossible, uh, because I wouldn't have the the um, really a, a client saying how important it is for us us to be thinking about these things. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I can. Expand a little bit, but I guess there's one one point I mean, to your, your question. Um, if in fact, because I'd like to think I've got another 15 to 20 years of, of practice in me, if I felt that the existing model would be or could be the existing model, 
over the next 20 years and I would make just as much or more doing that um, there's part of me that would probably say well it's still broke but maybe there is some some uh, rationale for not fixing it um, but first and foremost I don't think that's the case I mean that that to me is a fantasy um, and and maybe people think I'm running around like John the Baptist or something but <laughs> I, I I just don't see large enterprise clients going another 15, 20 years. Frankly, I didn't see them going another five years under the old model without some real serious change. So even if, you know, notwithstanding everything Judy said, which I agree 100% with, I think there's there's an absolute existential sort of issue that that big law is, is facing. And that's why, in, in part, yeah, I think it makes a huge amount of sense to be doing this now. The other is, again, gets back to the self-interested point. I think we can make more money under the under a much more efficient model than we do now. And I'm, I'm a capitalist, I, I unabashedly. I, uh, you know, I would like to make more, so um, I, I think that works. Um, and I won't you know, rehash everything Judy said, but one, one point that I think is really critical is if it weren't for clients like Microsoft pushing for this, even though I think it's it's the right outcome, it would be so much harder to do what we're doing. So uh, thank you. you know, thank you for, for helping us. So I, I just want to, uh, a, a corollary to that or a tangent to, to that point is um, self-interest. Self-interest sometimes is good for everyone. So self-interest isn't a bad thing if it's without fear. So self-interest that's coming from a place of fear, I'm losing out. I'm someone's going to take something from me. I'm not, you know, I'm going to fail in some way. That is a dynamic that never helps uh, in any situation. And I, so I think, you know, being being self-interested, but from a place of confidence and trust, uh, allows us to be much more open and much more creative. And based on what you guys are talking about, being self-interested with a long-term view. Yeah, yes. for sure. Yep. Because one of the challenges, so a lot of the work that I do, I, I, do you guys have a couple more minutes? Sure. sure. So a lot of the work that I do really tries to think deeply about incentives because it really shapes behavior very effectively. And I think that there are a couple of dimensions uh, of the way that your business models work that are very challenging. And one is the, the, the really the billable hour, and as much as it, you know, it, it creates a lot of disincentive for efficiency and innovation. And the other uh, challenge I see is that the model where you basically scrape all the money out every year and then hit the reset button creates a really challenging environment for you guys to invest, right? I mean, you certainly have a lot of uh, equity in the form of the relationships you have with your clients, but there are other dimensions of long-term value that could be created for your enterprises that just do not mesh well with the way that you guys currently uh, are constructed. Um, And so I get really excited when I hear you guys saying, we think this is the right thing because A, the client is asking for us, but we also think that it is in the best interest of our organizations to be viable uh, going concerns because now I will expose my self-interest. We try to take the long view on our partnerships because it is very painful and costly for us to replace partnerships. You guys have invested so much in understanding how we do our work, 
the things we're trying to, to do as a company and replacing that is so very hard. And so part of the reason that we, we do take the perspective that we do and we try to do the things we do is so that you guys are profitable businesses that have bright futures, can attract the best talent because that is net good for us. Cycling partners in and out, trying to save a nickel and a dime here and there, that may in some instances be incrementally more value on a very short-term horizon. But the nature of our work, the nature of our needs, the relationships matter, the context matters. The continuity matters. In many instances, you guys be, create a, a triangulating effect that allows us to know more about what's going on here than we can know internally. And that only comes with, with time, investment, and engagement. And so it really delights me when I hear you guys construct kind of your motivations this way because it means that you're going to do the right things even when we're not looking. And ultimately, as a lazy engineer, that's what I want. Right? I, I want you guys doing the right things for us without me having to police. And so that's one of the reasons why I love partnering with you is I get to spend so much time talking with you guys about the, the good stuff that we can do next, not curative measures on things where I'm like, oh, God, guys, you, you need to fix this. And so that just delights me. Um, I think we've, we're, we're almost at time. I'm curious if you guys have any final thoughts on what clients should do to support innovation and how we can be more effective partners for you. Candid conversation and uh, developing trust really is, is the, that's the environment that you need to have in order to be able to innovate. Yeah, I mean, a couple real quick things. Again, uh, this may sound a little bit Machiavellian, but... Um, <laughs> If you look at a large firm, I mean, obviously the the institutional clients are the the bread and butter work of the firm, but overall there's a lot of other smaller clients that represent a significant portion of firm revenue, probably more than the institutional clients in the aggregate. And because they are smaller and are more focused on actually getting their work done, they're not clamoring for the type of change that institutional clients are today. and that creates sort of that, you know, it ain't broke, don't fix it mentality with, with some lawyers um, because their clients actually aren't pushing them. So one of the things that institutional clients can do is help educate these smaller clients. <laughs> um, you know, you try to bring everybody along. And so the more you participate in, you know, like the ACC, for example, and evangelize to groups where these other clients are participating, um, you know, in Clock, where we you know uh, participated earlier in the year, those sorts of groups, it really does help bring things along. And you know, uh, part of it you know, is that whole pushing a string analogy. But you know, eventually everyone will get there. But the more the the market generally is asking for change, um, the more you will see change. Uh, the other one is, uh, you know, I think Ronald Reagan once said, you know, if he wants more of something, subsidize it. So, you know, if being able to show tangibly, and I think, you know, and we're not asking for, for well, we're always happy to get more work, but we're not asking, we're asking <laughs> for it. But the fact that I can go back to my, um, my managing partner and go, well, you know, they're looking for innovation. We're talking about innovation. We haven't really necessarily done all that much yet to innovate. And look at our numbers. They're up. Um, and, you know, I know you have relationships with our various managing partners. When you go back and emphasize that, 
this is, you know, look at the trend. This is why there's a trend. You know, it, it, it helps to establish the, you know, our bona fides in, in doing that and, and really helps um, get people past that point of, you know, again, I don't want to sound like a broken record, but it ain't broke, don't fix it. So that, that's, to me, sort of the big stumbling block and getting everyone's mindset towards, yeah, some people may not have figured out it's broke yet, but it really is broken and it needs to change. Well, we will do our best to keep sharing our stories and what we're learning along the way, and hopefully that will help other organizations do the same. Uh, we've covered a lot of ground. Is there anything that we didn't pick up that you, you think we should cover? Okay. Well, then I'll say thank you very much, Judy, Dave, for, for coming out and talking about this with such candor. It's just fun to get to work with you guys, and I'm, I'm glad that, you know, you took the risk and you were brave, and you, you came here and you, you know, told some stories and gave us some insights about how you do the work that you do, and we just appreciate your partnership and all the effort that you put into really doing your jobs with excellence every day. Thank you, and I, I, I know Dave agrees with this. It is a privilege, truly a privilege, to be able to um, be in this role for Microsoft. Uh, it's just it's one of the highlights of my career, so thank you. Absolutely, and thanks for saying that, Judy.